good to us, and it's good to be reminded about this. On a Mother's Day, it's good to be reminded that we have a Heavenly Father who's been good to us, one who's cared for us and loved us, who comforts us in the midst of our pain and suffering, who leads us in the midst of discouragement and pain, and who brings us the joy of the morning. Father, thank you for being with us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for reminding us that uh, on days like this that our moms deserve double honor. So Father, would you be praised this day that as we honor our mother, we would do it in a way that would honor you? That as we uh, thank and give gifts to our mother, it would be a way of thanking you for giving us. Even though she might nag and even though it might be difficult, those who are here who no longer have their mother would long for, for a moment with them. So, Father, I do pray that you would really be with us, Lord, and that while uh, uh, soundboards fail and multimedia fails, while organization fails, uh, you never fail. And we can trust you Trust you with our lives. Trust you with our families, our children. Father, I also pray for the mothers here who uh, have children who are just gone astray. And Lord, they're praying for them. Father, would you bring healing in those relationships? Would you draw, your, would draw them to yourself and help for there to be great sense of your presence in their lives? For we do pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. I'm so grateful that you guys are here. Um, we're in this series called Growing Up. And what we've said in this series, and this is the big idea for this series, that nobody wants you to grow up like Jesus. Nobody. You don't want to grow in your faith. You don't, your, your family doesn't want you to grow in your faith more than Jesus does. Jesus wants to grow your faith. He wants to take your faith that comes to Him as small and He wants to explode it. He wants to explode it in your life. So, what we've done is we've, we've gotten this series and we've said, and if you've ever been to any of, our, any of our series, you know that it's like chapters in a book. Like, you know, this week is another chapter in the book, last week was a chapter in the book. And so we only just bring out one big idea each week. The first week we said this. We said, if, you're, if God's going to grow your faith big, you're going to have to have faith to begin with. And not just faith in faith. Not just faith in what you want to uh, believe in, but faith in Jesus Christ. And I know that that can be offensive for many, and I just pray that you would just kind of put that offensive thought on the back burner and just know that Jesus wants to grow your faith big, but first, you have to believe in Him. It's just a wonderful idea uh, that there would be a Savior for your life. There would be a Savior for my life. It's just, it's a powerful and beautiful idea and truth. So first week we said, hey, if God's going to grow your faith, you're going to have to have faith in him in the first place. Makes sense, right? The second, the second thing we said the week after that, we said that if God's going to grow your faith, we're going to actually have to start doing 
His Word. That one of the ways that God grows your faith is that when you read God's Word or hear God's Word preached, that you actually do it. Now, this is a novel idea. Because if anyone reads the Bible, usually it's like, wow, isn't that interesting? And you just keep it moving, right? Like you just go, wow, isn't that cool? And you just keep going. And it's like, you know, um, you know, you know, feed the poor. Wow, isn't that a novel concept? Let's keep reading. And, and so there's not really any change. Well, we said God is going to grow your faith and the way he's going to grow your faith is by doing God's word. That when you see God's word, when you read God's word and you see it with your eyes or you hear God's word or you, or you see it and hear it preached, God says, I'll grow you. I'll grow your faith if you do it. The third thing, uh, part three of the series was that we, we, this was big. We said that friends in large part determine your future, that God is going to bring the right friends to your life. And we don't even have to sell this. Isn't it true that when, if I talk to you about your, you know, uh, some of the worst decisions you ever made in your life, right? Isn't it true that the, when we ask, well, how did that happen? We go, the response is this, it all started with these friends. Six deadly words, right? You know, I guarantee you, if you ever did drugs, you did not do it in isolation, right? You did not learn it in isolation. You did not figure it out in isolation. It, it, you were introduced to it by friends. Uh, women, if you've ever gave away your most precious, you know, your, your, your purity, and you've ever given that away, that wasn't a thought that just came to you. You were, you were talked into that by a boyfriend, right? Because... Your friends really do determine your future. Likewise, the neat thing about this principle is that it also works when you have godly friends. That godly friends will lead you to a godly future. And it's not, like, not, not everything goes well and not everything is perfect. Not everything is, is exactly the way you wish it would be. But God uses a great deal in your life and in mine to grow our faith. He'll use godly Friends, last week we talked about the ring. And we said that in the center of the ring is your heart. Now, we don't have it here today, but we, we had a little uh, a heart that God wants to explode and grow. And we said that the, the, the one in this corner who wants to fight for your faith to grow is, three guesses, first two don't count. Which one is it? It's God, right, right, right. God wants to grow your faith, right? God wants to grow your faith big, but in order for God to grow your faith, he's going to have to get a hold of your habits. Because habits have a hold of your heart. Isn't that true? Right? Like, if, if, if you show me your habits, I'll, I'll, I'll find out about your heart. Right? So, we said there are three areas that Jesus wanted to work out in your heart, out of your habits. One was the, 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 the number one contender for your heart was your treasure. And right, you'd expect for a pastor to say that, and aren't you glad some of you who weren't here last week that you know, oh good, I'm glad I skipped that sermon. Uh, no, it's that the number one heavyweight champ for your heart is your treasure. It's your finances. It's your money. The number two heavyweight champion for your heart is your time. Isn't it true that you're just running, running, running? We live in a very busy Society, we're always running somewhere. 
And so we said, your treasure, the antidote to your, um, treasure being the God of your heart, the antidote to that is this, that you would become generous. And we said, you know, you, you should become a percentage giver. And all, if you recoil at that, we said, fine, don't give here. Pick, a, pick, a, pick an organization that you want to give charity to. If you think that the pastor, all, all he wants is your money, and that the church is only after your money, keep your money. Give it to someone else. But you will find that God will grow your faith by making you more generous. Why? Because he loosens the grip of greed and opens the grip of his love on your life. He becomes your treasure. Isn't that neat? And the second thing we said is that time. We need to make time for Jesus. And we, we said that, you know, 15 minutes in the beginning of the day is a great way to start. I started with a little egg timer, right? Started with five minutes and then it grew and it became several hours. And the third um, uh, contender for your heart is your appetites. Isn't it true that some of you struggle, some of us struggle with stuff for years and years and years. And we ask the question, why, why, why? <coughs> why are we still struggling with this? Why do we still have this pornography habit? Why do we still eat this way? Why do we continue to have relationships that always end up the same way? That they're, that they're good for a little bit, then they're God for a little bit, and then they're gross, right? They're, you know, right? They're good for a little bit, then they become God, and then it's, it's horrible, right? Why do, why are we? And we said that because God wants to get a hold of your appetite. And one of the ways that God is going to get a hold of your appetite is through fasting. That when you start denying yourself food, and you not only, oh, you're sweet to me. Thank you very much. Stay right here. I'll give it right back. That's love. She's going to get a get-out-of-jail-free card. That's beautiful. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you very much. I appreciate that, Maureen. Thanks. Um, now, watch this. If... In fact, God is going to grab a hold of those bad habits that you don't, you know, that you don't want to hold on to anymore. God is going to have to grab, grab a hold of your appetites. And the way God works your muscle, your faith muscle for your appetites is this. God has us fast. You want to know why? I was, let me tell you something. I was in the grip of, and you know, let me just be very honest with you. I was in the grip of lust and pornography and awful, awful, awful stuff. Right? And I let my eyes see some terrible things. Right? And in the grip of that, I remember praying and I just was begging God, you got to take this from me. And he said, you know what I want you to do, Edwin? I want you to fast. He goes, and I said, all right, you know. And he gave me a scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And he gave me uh, not only the scripture, but he said, I want you to fast for seven days. Now, I never thought... That, you know, like you read, oh, Jesus fasted for 40 days, but then you go, well, that's Jesus. That's not me, right? I can't even skip lunch, right? I gotta eat, right? And so, he said, no, fast for seven days. You know what happened on day three and four? Lust was the last thing on my mind. You know what I desired? I didn't desire women, I didn't desire sex, I didn't desire, you know what I desired? A cookie. I desired a cookie. I just wanted, I just, a piece of bread would have been just fine. You wanna know why? What happened in my heart, and this was fascinating, I didn't know it was going to happen, but I, I found it happened. If I could say no to something that I need to live, then I can easily say no to things that harm me and hurt me. 
Does that make sense? God wants to get a hold of your appetites. Now, so God is the heavyweight champ. He wants to be the heavyweight champ of your heart. But there are three main contenders. There's your time, there's your treasure, and there's your treats or your appetite, right? That was last week. This week, God is going to grow your faith. And he wants to grow your faith. You ready for this? By serving others. By serving others. Now, I know a lot of you just thought, wow, that's sexy. And that's good. I, I want to I do that. I want to serve others. But I want you to open up your Bibles. We're going to see two really cool... Um, now, if you don't have your Bibles and you have your bulletins, you open it up, you have what we call a sermon map. All the scripture that we're going to be reading today is in that sermon map. We've thought about you. If you don't bring your Bibles, we thought about you. But if you've been coming for a while, go ahead and bring your Bibles. And for those of you who, um, you know, need a bigger font, the letters are going to be up on the screen, and you can look at them on the screen. So there's many different ways to follow along with the scriptures. Now, I want you to see what's going on here. Let me give you some context, because it's really, 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 really good stuff. Jesus, and I'm going to try to get out of the, the ring here. Okay, so Jesus, Jesus is, is, Starting his ministry. And as he starts his ministry, he has a, well, as he's growing up, he has a cousin. Anybody know who Jesus' cousin's name is? John. All the Urbacat students know the answer to this. It's John. John is the cousin of Jesus. Did you know that? John the baptizer, John the baptizer, the one that we call John the Baptist, John the baptizer was a cousin of Jesus. Isn't that cool? You didn't think you would learn anything in church. There you go. And so, John is the cousin of Jesus. And John keeps on using uh, the ruler, the governor, the ruler of their area. He keeps on using him as a sermon illustration. Not a good idea if you're John, right? John keeps on saying, hey, you've got a wife that you shouldn't have. What happened was, is that he had the, 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 the leader had stolen the wife from his brother. Not cool. So, John pointed out the obvious. This is sin. Well, he used him uh, as, he used him as such a, um, an illustration that he finally arrested John. John is in jail. One day, John is uh, in the prison and, uh, you know, no commissary, no rec time. This is really, really bad, right? Okay, so he's in the prison. And it's, it's someone, it's, it's the birthday of the ruler, so he has wife sends in her daughter to dance for him. Now this is the dance, like, you know, this is, this is not the kind of dancing you do in my house, right? This is like real crazy dancing, very seductive, very, you know, enticing, very, it's supposed to be sexually explicit, right? And so the ruler is so taken by this that he says, you know what? You're marvelous. I, I was so, I was so in awe of this dancing that you did. It so aroused me. Here's what I want. I'll give you anything you want. Just ask me. I promise I won't deny you anything. And with that oath, he sealed the fact that he had to do what he was going to be asked to do. The girl, she goes to her mother, and she says, tell him 
that you want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Whoa. Now, Herod didn't want to do it. That's the, the, the ruler of the time. He didn't want to do it, but because he had given that oath, he had to comply. Cuts John's head off, brings it to her in a platter. John is dead. Jesus is cousin. The, the disciples of John then run and tell Jesus, your cousin is dead. He was serving God. He was, he, he was serving you. And now, for that service, he died. Now, there's a lot we can say about that, that when you serve Jesus, sometimes things don't go your way. Sometimes you don't get what you want. Sometimes, now, there's a ton of things that we could say about that, but that's not today's sermon. Now, at this point, we see our hero. I'm going to come out of the ring. At this point, we see our hero, Jesus, and he hears about the beheading of John, and we find out what happens afterwards in verse 13. I want you to read with me. In Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 33. When Jesus heard what had happened, that is, that John was killed, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. You know, when you mourn sometimes, you just got to mourn. You just, you just don't want to be around other people. You don't want to talk. You just need to mourn. Well, so it's obvious. Jesus goes away. He has feelings too. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. So here's Jesus going off from a solitary, going off to a solitary place. Somebody sees, hey, isn't that Jesus? Isn't that the guy who heals? Isn't that the guy who serves? Isn't that the guy who loves? Isn't that the guy who teaches? Isn't that, yeah, yeah. You know, one person tells another, one person tells another, and all of a sudden you got a massive square garden sized crowd, uh, in front of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, I love this. He had compassion on them and healed they're sick. So Jesus got there and he just wanted to mourn, but he saw this crowd and he just, his heart broke over them. Serving is never, uh, uh, is never this idea of, I'm gonna do this begrudgingly or I'm gonna, alright, I guess if there's no one else to do it or, you know, alright, well you need me so I'll do it, but I really don't want to. No, serving is never like that. You never want to serve. Jesus had compassion. And so he started to serve and heal. Then I want to show you some stuff. This is just so neat. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, now, look up at me. The disciples are being practical. The disciples are about to tell him something that's very practical of a need that they see that they want addressed. And they have a very practical solution. Here it is. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the village, villages and buy themselves some food. Listen to me. Isn't that interesting? There's a, there's a problem. What's the problem? These people are hungry. What's the solution? Send them away. Get them away. See, there's a problem that they see. And watch this. Listen to me. If you ever, ever find yourself with a problem, seeing something that's not right, either, either it's the poor being mistreated, or, or orphans 
not having anyone to care for them. Widows not being able to provide for themselves or for their families. If you ever see a homeless person on the street and say, that should not be... If you ever turn on the TV and see a child whose, whose belly is inflated, not with food, but with disease. If that ever grabs your heart, you might be inclined to go to Jesus and say, you know what, this might be my solution. Jesus, why don't you do something? Jesus, why does this exist? Jesus replied though, and I just love this, because I can just picture their face. Can you picture their faces when you, when you hear this? They don't, need a, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Okay. They're looking at, I want you to understand, they're looking at a bigger crowd than what we have here. They're looking at 5,000, you ready? Men. Not counting women and children. 5,000 men. Jesus goes, oh, oh, you see, this is, and this is a principle of serving. Listen, if you ever find yourself with a holy discontent, if you ever find yourself, and what I mean by a holy discontent is that you see something and you say, this is not right. If you ever find yourself hearing and seeing and experiencing something that you go, this is not good. The poor need to be fed. The naked need to be clothed. The orphan need to be uh, led and, and, and loved. The, 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 the widow, she needs to be taken care of. The, the homeless, they need to be sheltered. You, if that ever comes into your heart and you see someone suffering with disease, they should have the right medicine. And you see another person, like when you see that and you go, Jesus, do something. First principle of serving is this, is that Jesus goes, you do something. You go, but wait, 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 what do you mean you do something? I can't do anything. No, 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 listen, listen. I, I wouldn't have put that on your heart. Who do you think gave you that compassion? Who do you think gave you that desire to serve? Who do you think gave you eyes to see that hurt? Jesus did. Why do you think he gave it to you? Because he wants you to do something. And this doesn't have to be global. This could be in your home. You could be in your home and see your spouse hurting or sad. You could see your children going through struggles. And you go, Jesus, why don't you do something? And Jesus is going, you do something. Jesus, my spouse cries every night. That's why I put you there. Jesus, my kids are struggling with decisions. That's why I put you there. But there's such injustice in my job. That's why I put you there. Jesus will always throw the question back on your lap. You feed them. You do something. And they replied like I would have replied. Mm-mm. <laughs> we have here only five loaves of bread and two 
fish. If you read this passage, this what's interesting is that this is one miracle. Some, uh, you know, there's four gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And some uh, gospels have miracles. You know, like you know, there's four different people telling the story. So what would you have if you have four people telling the same story? You would have differences, right? People emphasizing certain things and not others. And so it's, it's rare that you have one miracle in all four gospels. Obviously, the resurrection is in all four gospels. You know, the you know, all right, so stuff like that is in all four gospels. But this is another one, one of the few that's in all four Gospels. So if you read it in John, John says something interesting. He says that a little boy, a little boy came with his sack lunch. And he came with barley bread, which is the most inexpensive, cheapest bread you can get at that day. And the fish that he had, if you think sardines, you have the right idea. It's this little tiny fish. And so he had this, and so, and so, There's another principle that we're going to see here. Number one, if you see something that hurts your heart, Jesus throws it back. He says, he wants you to do something. And then at that point, you should be convicted because you just don't know what to do. You don't have the strength. You don't have the ability. But here's what the disciples do. They're learning something. I want you to track with them. They're learning something. Here's what they're learning. I have what only I have. And it can only do as much as I can do for as long as I have it. However, if I bring what I have into the hands of the Savior, miracles can happen. Miracles can happen. This miracle is so powerful that for... You have to understand, the first 300 years of the early church, they never used a cross um, as a symbol. That's a very new thing. Nobody would ever use the cross as a symbol of Christianity who had actually seen a crucifixion. It was gruesome. It was terrible. So in the first 300 years, they used the ichthus. You ever seen the little fish? You've seen it on little cars now? It's, it's the ichthus. It's Jesus is Lord, right? And so... Um, and, and so they, they would use the fish referring to this incredible miracle. And Jesus said, you feed them. And then they go, but we don't have it. This is all we have. And Jesus says, bring it to me. This is the heart of all service. If you're going to serve people, if you're going to grow in faith by serving others, listen to me, listen to me. You're going to have to serve them in the power of Jesus. You're going to have to serve them. Listen, there comes a point in your life when when you want to serve somebody, you just don't have what it takes. And Jesus says that there's this principle. If you would bring what you can do into my hands, I will do miracles. See, all services, in Christ's name, all services, listen to me, is you doing all that you know to do and then putting it in Jesus' hands and watching Him do what only He can do. You doing all that you can do and then watch Jesus do what only He could do. I saw this in my own life. I, I was spiritually searching. I, I, 
I was looking, I was going to, I didn't know if I was, honestly, I was going to be a Buddhist. I was reading a lot of Buddhist literature and Eastern philosophies and New Age stuff. And, you know, uh, I was just sort of, that was where I was leaning. And miraculously, miraculously, I wasn't looking for Jesus. In fact, I was running away from Jesus. He grabbed my heart in a tub of all places, in my bathtub. Now, I know that brings sexy images into your mind, but it was absolutely revolutionary. Listen, I was in my bathtub and I wanted to run as far away from God as possible. And God grabbed a hold of my heart. And when he grabbed a hold of my heart, he saved me from my guilt and my shame. I know so desperately that most of you, that's all you want is to be saved from your guilt and your shame. The nightmare is is that you're doing it on your own and you can only become more proud, which only produces more shame. And God says, no, no, no. I will address your shame and your guilt. Well, he did. He addressed my shame and my guilt. And he gave me the gift of salvation. What did he save me from? He saved me from myself. He saved me from hell. He saved me from living life the way I had always lived. He saved me. And he put a new heart in my, in my soul. And so, what happened was, is I just, I got these eyes that Jesus gave me. And every one of my friends was looking for God. But nobody wanted Jesus. I mean, every one of my friends was spiritually seeking, but nobody wanted Jesus. And I remember going to Jesus and saying, you got to do something about this. And he says, you do something. I think, no, no, no. You got this conversation all wrong. You see, this conversation is me speaking to you about what your responsibility is. And he said, no, 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 no. If they're going to feel the hugs of Jesus... If they're gonna, if they're gonna, if you're gonna see them listen to Jesus, if you're gonna, if they're ever gonna see Jesus sit by them on a sick bed or teach them God's word, they'll see it through you, because He is the eyes and uh, the body, the Christian, the church, the Christians are the hands. And the heart. Listen, if you've ever been hurting and a Christian has ever given you a hug, you've felt the hug of Jesus. And so Jesus, if, if you've ever heard a kind word from a Christian, you've felt the compassion of Jesus. And I said, I can't. I don't, there's nothing I can do. Now, here's what he did not tell me. He did not tell me, you know what, Edwin? I want you to quit your job. I want you to Leave and, and totally be dependent on me for support. I want you to be homeless for a couple of years. I want you to be a pastor of a church. And I want you to teach people the Bible full time. That's what I want you to do. Because you know what would have happened, right? I'd have moved to Alaska. I'd have become that Buddhist that I was looking for. And I would have absolutely... You know what he said? He said, Edwin, do a Bible study in your house. I said, but I don't know how to do a Bible study. Come here. See, Jesus says, bring to me what you know. Do you know how to read? Yeah. Okay, I can use that. Here's a passage I want you to read. 
Do you know how to speak in front of people? Well, I've had some practice. I've been in these 12-step groups, and I've kind of spoken a few times, and I'm sort of getting used to that. He goes, I could use that. He goes, what else do you have? I said, I got a kitchen. I got an apartment. He goes, and the apartment was probably 600 square feet. Honestly, it could fit on this stage, the entire apartment. We had to take the kitchen, like the, the kitchen table, we had to put it in the backyard so that we could fit 10 or 15 people in the apartment. True story. He says, do you have a backyard you can put that kitchen table in? Yeah. I can do something with that. And now we're in a bigger place than my kitchen. And, and God is doing incredible. I looked on my contacts for the people who have come to this church. There's over 895 people who have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ through this church. People who would have never heard the gospel. We have people now in California, in Florida, people who have moved away from here just because, you know, life is mobile. And, and they moved to a different place who are serving Jesus and serving the 12-step community because of what Jesus has started right here in this church. Now, if he would have ever came up to me and said, Edwin, I want you to do all this stuff, I would have said, no, we're planting. By the way, we're planting, we're we're helping to plant, we're not planting, we're helping to plant another recovery church in Coney Island. I'm speaking on the very first, um, uh, and and that's, I think, like four churches that either directly or indirectly have been planted through us. Listen, listen, if God would have said, I want you to plant churches, I want you to quit your job, I want you to do all this stuff, I want you to do... I would have said, no. But he said, what do you have? I said, I got a big kitchen table that doesn't fit in the kitchen. He says, put it outside. What else do you have? I said, oh, I can read. Oh, what else do you have? I have an apartment. Ah, the light came on. And I said, I can do that. I can... And So can you. I bet Jesus is asking, so what do you have? And he's just waiting for the answer. You know what, Lord? I got a willing spirit. I got zeal and absolutely no knowledge. I could use that. I could use that. What else do you have? Lord, I have friends, but I don't know how to tell them about you. I could use that. Lord, I have a burden to feed the poor. I could use that burden. Lord, I have a passion to get people who are homeless to have homes. I I could use that. Lord, guys come out of jail and the recidivism rate is like 80%. I can't stand that they keep on going back to jail. It's like a revolving door. I, I, I could use that, Jesus says. Just, But here's the trick. Bring it to me. Bring me that passion. Bring me that desire. Bring me that heart. Bring me those eyes. Bring me those hands. Bring me those ears. Bring it to me. And that's what the disciples did. The story goes on. It gets better even. Verse 18. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. It's like close to 25,000 people, 5,000 men, not counting men and children. And this is not like America where you have like two kids and it's a big family. I'm taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. You see how precious this is? Jesus takes what you bring to him. And in this case, it's just a couple of pieces of bread and some fish. And he breaks it. 
And he says, look at this. Look at this bounty. I'm so grateful for this bread. I'm so, listen, it's what happens when you give your heart to Jesus and you say, I can't stand that this is going on. Or, or you give your angst or you give your passion. Or you give, he goes, look at this. Look at this passion. Look at, look at this desire to serve those who are in prison. Look at this desire to go to detoxes and rehabs. Look at this. Jesus gives thanks for it. He says, I'm so grateful for this. Now watch this. Then he, um, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples. He gives it back. To the disciples. You give it to Jesus, and then he gives it back. But watch this. He doesn't just give it back the same thing you gave him. Listen to what he gives back. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate. Somebody say 5,000. 5,000. Not including children and women. Tens of thousands of people here. And they all ate. But it doesn't end there. He says this. They all ate and were satisfied. I love that. They were full. They were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. What I love about this is that you think of like big dookie baskets. Think of picnic baskets. They picked up 12 picnic baskets. And the reason I think that Jesus puts that in there is because there was 12 disciples. And they hadn't eaten lunch. Because they were too busy feeding others. I could just see them at the end of that day. I'm hungry. I need to be ministered to. Who's going to serve me? And Jesus made sure that they had 12 baskets. One for each guy. Serving's good. Being served by the Savior is good. Here's another principle for you in service. You can never outserve Jesus. You can never outserve Jesus. Jesus loves you. And if you start serving Jesus, he'll make sure he puts a little bit on the side for you. doesn't end there. They all ate, right, verse 21. The number of those who, had, who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side when he dismissed the crowd. Could you imagine what that dismissal was like? That's not like church where you go, okay, bye-bye. Now, psh, I'm sticking by the guy who makes the food, okay? Like, you know, if that's me, that's a tough crowd to dismiss, but Jesus can do it because he can do anything. And so um, the, the, the disciples go off in the boat. They're rowing. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Don't you love that? Because that's the reason Jesus was there. He just needed to pray. Think about this. Jesus, God in human flesh, needed to spend time with God. God the Son had to spend time with God the Father. Before ministry, after ministry, during ministry, he gives thanks. And at that 
That's the spirit by which we do our service. We follow Jesus. He's giving us an example here. Verse 22. I'm sorry, verse 23. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against them. So you see these, these, these experienced fishermen, and they're rowing the boat, and they can't get anywhere, and they're rowing, and it's like the, the waves are working against them, and they're like in the middle of the lake, and they're standstill. During the fourth watch, that means close to morning, um, of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Okay, stop right there. Okay. Now, I know some of you, in the, when you, when you uh, read the Bible and you get to portions like this, you go, well, just, this part's just not real. This part's just not true. Dude, he just fed 5,000 people. Like, which one is tougher? Feeding 5,000 people with some kid's lunch or walking on water? I'm not sure, but I'm thinking both of them require some supernatural stuff. So if you can believe the fish and the loaves, this shouldn't be such a huge stretch. Okay? So just track with me. But Jesus immediately... Watch this. During the fourth... Verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were... Terrified, you would be too. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. What's cool about this is that there's 12 guys who are like fishermen, these strong fish, like, you know, fishermen, like real fishermen, you know, strong fishermen, got a knife in their hand, big beards, like that kind of fishermen, right? And they're screaming and crying out, oh, it's a ghost. I love when guys do that. It just makes me laugh. So um, they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on on the water. Listen to me. Look up at here. Peter got the lesson. Peter got the lesson that happened with the food. I can't walk on water, can you? Can you do what God wants you to do? Can you do it into the capacity that God wants you to do? Is there anything that you want to do for God that you just have, you are naturally born? When people come up to me, and I love this, and I just love the opportunity to be able to tell you this, I just don't feel like I can do it. I go, finally, you're getting somewhere. Now that you feel like you can't do it, now is when you're most able to be used by Jesus. I don't feel worthy. Like when people come up to me, right? And Because salvation is the work of the Lord. And people say, I don't feel worthy to be loved by God. I go, finally, you're getting it. Of course you're not worthy. If you were worthy, you could do it on your own. But you need Jesus. And you want to serve? And you go, I can't do it. Some of you are sitting here and you just want to teach the children's ministry. You just want to. You love kids and you just want to. But you go, I don't have enough information. And you got to learn the lesson that Peter learned. Jesus, if you call me, I'll go. I can't walk on water. It's impossible for me to do this thing. But if you call me, I'll go. I bet I can if you... If you t- Listen, it's not about getting an idea. Being half-cocked about this idea and running off 
and falling on your face and going, Jesus, where were you? It's about going, Jesus, would you call me out to do this? Would you get me? Because if you call, and listen, when he calls you, go. And that's exactly what happens here. Come, he said. Isn't that a good answer? Come. Come on. You can, listen, you can't do it, but I can do it in you. You can't do it, but I can do it in you. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus, the second and only man in the world to ever walk on water was a fisherman with just a little bit of faith in Jesus that he could help him. Listen to me. When you go to serve Jesus, when you go to serve... Listen, right here in this church, there are positions where you... God brought you here. This, those positions are not being filled because you're not doing them. Those positions are not being done because you're not doing them. And there, you know, there was a, a, a and I, I want to embarrass Ron, but Ron said, you know what? This is what I got. I clean brass. Like Ron said, I clean brass, right? And, and he goes, I would like to, you know, I, I don't know how to preach. I don't know how to teach a class. I don't know how to do anything like that, but I know how to preach. I know how to clean brass. Can I clean the brass of the church? And you'll notice that this thing is starting, like if, if you want to check out the difference, just look at the, 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 the pipe, the brass pipe going up and down. He's not finished. He still has to go across. Isn't that awesome? Like, you need to see it. He's cleaning the brass. Watch this. Watch this. Because he saw something and he said, that's not right. That, that. Now, I never saw the brass. Can I be honest with you? I didn't even know we had brass. I said, we got brass? Because I just, I was like, can we sell it? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> because I don't, I don't see things like that. There are things that you see that I don't see. And there are things that I see that you don't see. God has brought each one of us uniquely here to see what only he's given us eyes to see. To do what only he's given us eyes to do. And he's just begging for one person to say, Jesus, if you tell me to go, I'll go. Jesus, if you ask me to come, I'll come. Jesus, if you tell me. I know it's impossible. I don't think I can do it. I know, I know, I know it's impossible. I, I, I just, it's beyond my ability to imagine. Jesus goes, first he says, bring what you got. Then he goes, come. I'll enable you. I'll help you. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately. I love that. Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Some of you women, it's Mother's Day, right? And some of you women know what immediately means. You ever been walking? I used to do this with my girls. They're a little too big now. And my son too, but they're all too big now. We would hold hands, right? And isn't it true when you walk with your kid and you're holding hands and they're sort of, don't they fall like real quick? And isn't it true without thinking? It never ever entered your mind one time to think about this. It's just like a knee-jerk reaction. The kid, you feel like the kid is falling. You don't even see it. You just feel like the kid is falling. And your hand jerks up. That's called immediately. When your kid starts falling, your hand jerks up. Because what do you want to do? You want to help the kid. You want to save the kid. I love this word immediately. Jesus sees one of his kids falling and he goes, I got you. 
throws his hand out. This is a, listen, when you serve Jesus, would you keep your eyes on Jesus? I can't tell you, even this week, I've had conversations with people. Oh, I serve, but look at these people. Oh, I serve, but look at these women. Oh, I serve, but look at... Would you just keep your eyes on Jesus? Because, you, look, you're getting smaller. You're, sh- you're shrinking. You're starting to sink. Listen to me. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Just serve Jesus. I love that. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. I love these next two lines because I don't read it like some of... I used to read it like this. This is how I used to read the very next line. I used to read it like this. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? That's the way I used to read it in my head. You of little faith. Like, you know, it's like I'm rebuking, right? And the more that I read it and the more that I have experiences with Jesus, I go, I I just hear Jesus' voice differently now. And it sounds a little bit more like this. You you little faither. You little faither. Because that's the way it comes across in the Greek. It doesn't say little faith, it says little faither. He actually, it's, it's actually a Greek word that's invented for this. It's never found anywhere else in the Bible. It's never found anywhere else in Greek. He just it's like, you know, muñequito, like ito. If you put ito in the back of any Spanish word, it means like a little tiny thing, right? Right? Oh, Edwincito. Or, you know, Georgecito, right? You know, it just means little tiny George, right? Like, you ever seen that, right? No? No? All right. I grew up in a Spanish home. That's what we had, right? So he goes, you little faither. You little faither. He goes, and I could just see, I just hear him say this. Listen, listen, he says this. Watch down. You're doing so good. You little faither. Why'd you doubt? You're doing so good. You almost had it. Listen to me. Some of us have tried and failed. Isn't that true? Try to serve Jesus and got burned out. And it's because we didn't do what we were talking about here when it comes to serving. Number one, we didn't come to Jesus. We did it on our own strength. Number one, we didn't come to Jesus with it. We just said, you know, we saw something and we didn't approach Jesus. We just saw it. And we just said, we'll try to do it. If these guys would have tried to feed the 5,000 or walk on the water without incorporating Jesus, this would not have worked. But they, they, And then when we served Jesus... When we did go to Jesus and we served him, we didn't sit around and eat our little basket. We didn't get renewed. And you got to get renewed. And then listen, listen. Sometimes in the middle of service, we can burn out and get bitter and resentful when we start looking at others. When we start saying and looking at the problems and the stresses and the difficulties and the, and the issues. Listen, don't, don't let that be your story. You little faither. Why you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, last verse, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, <laughs> that always makes me laugh. <laughs> truly, like the 5,000, no, that wasn't enough, right? Like, you know, truly, you are the Son of God. Now we really get it. Like, we, 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 we were sort of feeling you before, but now we really understand, like, Wow. Here's, here's the deal, folks. And here's what I want you to know. That if you're going to grow in your faith, you're going to have to serve. And I know that we live in a society. I know, I know, I know. We're inundated in a society, listen to me, that demands that we be served. And we're more interested in our rights than we are our responsibilities. And we're more interested in what we can get out of someone 
than what we can give. Even with our dealings with God, we're more interested in what He can give us. Give me peace. Give me hope. Give me whatever. Give me health. Give me future. Give me, give me, give me, give me. And we're not interested in so much what we can do to serve. Jesus says, if you're going to grow in faith, you're going to have to grow in service. And if you don't believe this, just watch this. Do me a favor. Find any rich community, any rich community in the world, right? Um, go to uh, Hartford, Connecticut or something like that or some other rich community, right? Okay, now here's what you do. Look at their teen suicide rate in those communities. These are children who have more in their bedrooms than you have in your house. Why would they commit suicide? Because they figured out something that we need to learn. Listen to me. They figured out that having stuff and being served doesn't give purpose. I experienced this when I went on uh, a trip with my wife. I went on a trip with my wife and it was a, it was, God did an incredible thing and it was a cruise. We went on a cruise. And it was a Christian cruise, right? And so, like, there was, everybody's a Christian around me. And it was like, you know, I mean, you wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and you can get a pierogi. Like, it's like one of those things, right? Like, you know, you can get anything you want, anytime. You can, you can, do you feel like Japanese? They got a Japanese spot. Do you feel like Italian? They got an Italian part. Watch this. I, the first time I ever had a New York State, a New York steak was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, right? Because it was included in the price. I said, I can afford that, right? If it's included in the price, free, I can do. And so, you know, it's the first time I ever had shrimp. Why? Because I'm not paying for shrimp, you know? And so, and so, you know, that's what I did. But watch this. All day long, all day long, if I got out of a pool and I said, and, and I just looked like I was looking for a towel, someone ran over and gave me a towel. And if I, if I looked like I was looking like I wanted to snack on something, somebody came over with a tray and said, would you like to try these? And if I was just walking and I said, man, I feel thirsty, someone would come. Like, it was nuts. They served me hand and foot. And by the time the fourth day came around, it was like a five or six day cruise. By the time the fourth day came around, I was going out of my mind. Because there was no one to win Jesus because everybody was a Christian. It's a Christian cruise, right? So there's no one to evangelize. And I was trying to look for someone to serve, but every time you try to serve the servants, they get upset with you and say, no, 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 I can lose my job. Get away from me. So I'm trying to help like, you know, you know, like wipe down a floor or something like that with them. They go, get out of here. They're yelling at me. No, please don't do it. I'll get fired. And so like, I can't serve anyone. And I just got, oh, I get it. God put me on this earth to serve. Some of you just got the solution to your depression. The reason that you struggle with depression so much is because you're so self-centered. And everything you do in life, now listen, I'm not talking about all kinds of depression. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about every single uh, instance. But the truth is, a lot of our depression can be kicked off by two things. One is sin. Yeah, you know what? You sin, you should be depressed, right? And, you know, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's all right. It's a, the, in America, we're losing a sense of shame. Like, we need to, you know, it's okay. It's okay to feel shame. Like, you blow it, like, you, you curse out your kid, you, 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 you know, you, you be real rude to your wife, yeah, you should feel ashamed of that. That's not, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That's a help, it's a course corrective thing. Now watch this. Shame, uh, the fir- two things that you can get out uh, from a depression is number one, Serving others. Like, you know, obviously not sinning, but it's serving others. Listen to me. Would you serve 
others. So you have a yellow card in front of you. I want you to take out that yellow card and I want to actually interact with you. I'm going to actually, I'm going to, if you're here for the first time or if you haven't been here in a while and your phone number and address have changed, would you fill out as much as you feel comfortable with? I'm going to have the singers come up. As the singers come up, we're going to, we're going to sing and we're going to worship. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out that yellow card. I want you to just wave it at me. Just take out the yellow card and wave it at me. Would you do that? Oh, surely more than five of you could do this. Come on. All right. Here we go. All right. Okay. Now watch this. What I want you to do is I want you to fill out as much as you feel comfortable with. This is your first time our uh, information has changed in your life. This is just a way for us to reach out to you. I send out an email each week that talks about this, uh, the sermon. We also send out evites and all sorts of things like that. We never ask for money, but we just try to bless you and help you grow. Now, if you have, if you have that yellow card uh, on the spot where it says prayer request, where it says service suggestions on the bottom with all those lines. If you're going to serve, here's what I want you to do. I want every one of you to get involved in service right here at NBT. Every one of you, I want you to get involved. And if there's not a ministry that exists for the thing that you want to get involved in, I want you to write down. I want you to write that what that ministry could be. Everyone, I want everybody to play. Everybody gets to play in this game, okay? Here's what I want you to do. If there's something that you feel that God is calling you, like, you know what? I, ju- I just think that there needs to be more people who smile and greet people as they come in. Well, you want to be a host. Or I, you know what? I bet it takes an awful lot of work to, you know, you, nobody else has thought about this, but you thought about this. It takes an awful lot of work to do the, you know, the bagels and the juices and the, you know, people have to come here real early. Maybe you're just like, you, you have that heart. You know what? I bet it takes a lot of work to, uh, clean up the bathrooms or to vacuum these rugs and to make this place look pretty and smell pretty. Listen, you need to write down whatever it is. What is it? Do you want to get involved in children's ministry, educational ministry? Maybe you want to host a small group, you know, and you go, oh man, I, I, I've wanted to host a small group in my house, but I've been afraid. Have you not been, should I start the sermon over? I mean, have you not been listening to the sermon? Right? God can do it if you bring it to Him. And so, what I want you to do, what I want you to do is just right now in a holy moment, I'm going to pray for you as the hosts come up. And I just want you to write down what it is you feel God is calling you to do. And this is what I want you to do. Serve in, and then you fill in the blank. Whatever. You know, if, if there's a homeless ministry that you want to start, then put it down. And we'll talk about starting a homeless ministry. Because God has brought you here to serve a community in Jesus' name. And he hasn't done it for your glory or for my glory, but for his. And what would happen? Imagine with me. What would happen if 150 people got together, not with the intent of being served, but with the intent of serving? What would happen? I I say that we would revolutionize a country. That people would so be blown away by what God is doing that they would want the same God that we serve. That's what I think would happen. I think that we would start a fire. We would start a a, a glow in our hearts. God would grow our faith. We would see God move in powerful ways. God would be glorified and magnified in huge ways. And I just pray. I just pray that you would 
Not just be interested. Oh, but I don't have enough time. Listen, give your time to Jesus. Oh, but I don't have enough expertise. Give your expertise to Jesus. Did you not hear the sermon? It's bringing the burden, bringing the desire to Jesus. And before I pray for you, and then I'm gonna, we'll take the offering after this. Listen to me. I remember one time my son came up to me. We were eating papaya king. And we were talking about, um, about his friends and at the basketball court that he plays. And he says, you know, why doesn't Jesus save them? Why doesn't Jesus do something? And it was just like a moment. I rarely have these kind of moments where I actually say something that's wise. But I, it was a moment. And I just said, you know what, Edwin? I think Jesus is asking you the same question. You do not have the right to say, Jesus, why aren't you alleviating this suffering if you are not a part of what Jesus is doing in the world? He wants to grow your faith. And he wants to grow your faith by serving. So you fill that out. I'm going to pray for you. And then, Father, I just pray that every single one of us would take this message to heart. That we would grow, that our faith would be grown by you. And the way it would be grown is by us doing service and seeing your miracles. Father, I pray that you would touch every heart, every life, that you would make this church a serving church, that we would be a poor people who serve poor people for the riches and the glory of God. And that, Lord, you would take our meager offering, you would transform it. You would transform it and do miraculous things. Lord, that a couple of loaves of bread and a a few fish would be transformed into a feeding of a 5,000. That you would take our little baby faith and you would grow it big. And that, Lord, we would keep our eyes on you. That we would recognize that even in the times of service that you have baskets. You have little baskets for us. That you have little moments of rest and re-strengthening and giving us strength so that we might do it for your... Father, would you give them the idea? Would you give them the ministry that you want them to serve? Would you help them to bring it to you and let them write it down on a yellow piece of paper? For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Not amen.